Hello, Embrace. I'm Holly. I'm one of the pastors here. Can you guys hear me? There we go. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us at one of our campuses or you're joining us online or at one of our network churches, we are so glad that you're here with us today. And in fact, today we're going to pick up right where Pastor Adam left off last week. We just had an overwhelming response from you guys of how much last week encouraged you or, or someone that you love that was struggling with anxiety. So good news for you. We are going to park it right here and spend the next two weeks continuing to talk about being anxious and afraid. Now I say that's good news for you because that is not good news for me. <laughs> this would have been the last topic that I would have chosen to speak on and to share with you uh, for many reasons. But anxiety, it is multifaceted, it is complex, it's very individual. Uh, everyone has their own distinct reasons and circumstances that contribute to anxiety, if that's something you struggle with. In my own life, it is very, very personal. And so I'm here kicking and screaming today. <laughs> but what I want you to know is that I really was never scheduled to teach during this series. Uh, except for what happened was a few weeks ago, we had a planning meeting, and that's just something that we do here at Embrace. Prior to every series, a team of us, we've spent time in prayer about the topic, and then we come together, and we talk about, we share what we think that God would be nudging us to teach. And so we were having that planning meeting for Anxious and Afraid, and about halfway through that meeting, one of the campus pastors goes, Holly, you have got to teach during this series. And I was like, aw, he thinks I'm a good teacher and he wants me to share. And I'm relishing in the compliment. And then he blurts out, I mean, you're like the poster child for this stuff. Okay, the series is called Anxious and Afraid. That is not a compliment. I'm not going to tell you which campus pastor said that. But I will tell you that even Pastor Adam has better hair than he does. But that was a tough backhanded compliment to swallow because in all reality guys I up until about five years ago I would have prided myself in being a strong woman and I worked hard I worked hard to be considered strong I would have hoped that that's what my friends and my loved ones would say about me and then life happened and if I'm being completely vulnerable I spent all week agonizing over how much of my life, over how much of the circumstances in my life that happened to share with you and what to keep private so that I can stay healthy too. And the best thing that I realized is a picture is worth a thousand words. And so I want to show you guys this picture. This is a World War I soldier. He's hiding in a trench to avoid the enemy's shots. But can't you guys tell that the battle in his mind is greater than any battle in the field above him? That's what happened in my life. I so relate to this picture because that's what I felt like. My life, there were some circumstances. My family, we moved to four different cities in one year. My husband traveled all the time. He had a high-stress job. I had a high-stress full-time job. I had three kids that I was constantly trying to help find a new community, a new circle, and to get some roots planted. I opened up and was pretty vulnerable with a girlfriend of mine about some struggles I was having. That was exploited, was used against me, was exaggerated. 
I made some bad choices and I made some bad calls. And you take all of that together and those are some circumstances that might cause someone to have anxiety. But the truth is, I was crumbling from the inside out. I'd gotten so messed up in my head that I didn't know anymore if I was a victim or if I was a villain, if God was for me or if God was against me. I didn't know if I was evil or if I was good. I was so messed up. And one morning my mom called me and she said, Holly, you need to go get some help. She said, you're not functioning. You're not eating. You're not sleeping. You can't even stand to hear your kids chattering in the background. You need some help. And so later that week, I walked into a counselor's office for the first time. And about three minutes into my first appointment, my counselor says, Holly, I'll help you, but I can't today. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You are going to help me today. You're going to help me today because my world is falling apart. It's irreparable, and I need your help, and I paid you $175 to be here, so you're going to help me today. And she said, I'm sorry. I can't help you today. I can't help you because you're panicking. In fact, you're in the middle of a panic attack. So I'm going to sit with you, and then I'm calling a doctor, and you're going to go straight and see a doctor. Guys, I had no idea what that even was. I'd had those feelings before, but I didn't know that that's what it was. I didn't know that I wasn't making any logical sense because my mind was working a hundred times faster than my mouth can keep up with it. I didn't know that I was agitated, that I was fidgeting. I didn't know that I wasn't taking deep breaths. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew that my world was falling apart and I thought that I was losing everything. I thought that somebody was against me and that everything that I loved and held dear was going to be taken away from me and it felt irreparable at the time. And thank God for a great counselor and some medication and a few tools that we're going to talk about today. I don't currently have panic attacks. In fact, I, I think my last one was about, about a little over a year ago. But I still struggle. I struggle with anxiety or anxious feelings and fear every single day. You can ask your campus pastors, I work with them, they'll know, I call them all the time to, to make sure something I said wasn't taken out of context or wasn't taken the wrong way. It's silly, it's not even logical. But I struggle with that. And according to the statistics that Adam shared with us last week, I know that I'm not alone in this journey. It's the only reason I'm up here sharing with you is because I know that anxiety has become the number one mental health issue in the United States. It's surpassing even depression. It affects 10% of teenagers and 40% of adults. And did you know that that number is rising by 5% every single year? And see, when it comes to the rise of anxiety in our culture, I'm beginning to think about it like I do trying to wake my 14-year-old son in the mornings. Now, new moms, don't get mad at me about this, okay? Because my 14-year-old son, he, he was born to sleep. I mean, it's a special gift that he had when he was a newborn, the doctors told me that he was actually sleeping through the night too soon. This is Max. He's my good sleeper. The doctors told me that I needed to wake him up in the middle of the night and feed him some more. 
Now, I was in the middle of that doctor's appointment when he told me that. I'll never forget. And I was like, excuse me, let me get this straight. You just told me that my son is healthy. You told me he's in the 90th percentile for his weight. I know he eats constantly all day long. And now you're telling a sleep-deprived new mom that I need to wake up during the night and feed him some more? (laughs) Y'all, I shook my head yes, but that never happened. (laughs) Who does that? I never woke that kid up. But you add, uh, you, you, you now, you fast forward 14 years and I can tell you that I am paying the price for that decision. Because you add puberty to the fact that to the gift of just being born to sleep, this kid is impossible to wake up. I've tried everything, everything. I even had a girlfriend tell me once, now don't judge me for this, okay? Her husband was a doctor, so I felt like it was legit advice, okay? She said, just sit on his chest. Because he'll wake up when he needs to breathe. (laughs) That sounded pretty legit. So I tried it. I tried it and it didn't work. I tell my husband it didn't work because I don't weigh enough. (laughs) It didn't work because he slept past the point of me thinking I'm going to go to jail for trying this. I'm telling you guys, mornings are miserable in our household. And we repeat the same miserable cycle. School morning after school morning after school morning. I'll tell him to wake up roughly 12, 13 times, who knows. By about the 14th time, I'm starting to lose it. I mean, I can feel my blood beginning to boil. I start thinking bad words. I march into his room. I rip his covers off, and I say the same thing every single morning. I say, enough is enough. You are 14 years old. Get out of bed and get ready for school. Enough is enough. And that is what I am starting to feel about anxiety in our culture. Enough is enough. This is ridiculous. There are too many of us that are being held back, that are giving up on our God-given dreams, on our callings, and we're sitting paralyzed in fear and in panic. Anxiety doesn't have to win in our lives. Enough is enough. We, if you are a follower of Jesus... The same God who raised him from the dead, the same God who healed the blind, who made the lame walk, he is for you. One word from him and everything changes. Enough is enough. We don't have to keep losing this battle. And please hear me, because I want to be so sensitive to the fact that some of us are here today, and we do have lifelong mental illnesses that we're going to struggle with that are going to need the care of a psychiatrist and a doctor for the rest of your lives. That is very true and that is very real for some of us. But that is not what we're discussing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the 40% of us that have no history of mental illness and now we are struggling with paralyzing fear, with anxiety, and with panic attacks. I just read last week in an article that millennials have now been documented as the most anxious generation in history. When are we going to say enough is enough? This is too much. It's too much. My concern is that as Christians, that sometimes we feel like as if we have to give God a cop out, but we do that. We give God a cop out and we say things like this is just a burden that God has chosen me to bear. He's chosen me to bear this burden for the rest of my life. That is crazy. That is crazy. 
What if God never had that in mind when it comes to anxiety? What if all he wanted to do was to touch us and to heal us and let us experience his healing in us? What if we've become content as a culture carrying something that God never meant for us to carry? What if he simply wants to heal not only us, but our generation so that our children don't even have to go through this? What if he wants us to break these chains of anxiety so that our children don't even have to experience that? Right now, they're on track to be even more anxious than we are. We've got to stop it. We've got to say enough is enough. And I want to share with you guys today a few different tools that I have found in my moments of highest anxiety that have helped me, that have worked, that have helped me overcome anxiety. And I'm not talking about self-help mumbo-jumbo, okay? So if one more person comes up to you and tells you that your anxiety would be better if you just take a deep breath or if you exercise a little more, or what else do they say? If you get a little more sleep at night, please come find me. I will chase them down and sucker punch them for you. I will do that. I am not talking about that. I'm not talking about that, but I'm going to talk about some practical tools that we can all use to help us battle anxiety and find victory over this. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6? If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. It's going to be on the screen right up here. Ephesians 6 says, in verse 12, it says that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. If you've struggled with anxiety at all, you know how true this verse is. Am I right? Your greatest battle is not going to be what you can see. It's not going to be your middle school children who talk back to you. It's not going to be your traffic that you're going to have to battle through on the way to work or the pressure your boss puts on you. Your greatest battle today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday is going to be what happens up here in your mind. And for some of us, it is a full-out war in there. It's a full-out war. So let's talk about some tools we can use to help overcome this. Number one, the first thing that we can do when anxiety is high in our lives is we can get professional help. I didn't get professional help when I first started having anxious feelings and fear, and I didn't do that because I felt like I had very legit reasons, some stigmas as to why I didn't want to get it. Number one, the first stigma that I had was that I am a follower of Jesus and that if I would just pray a little more and if I would just trust God a little more, have a little more faith, all my anxiety would go away. Number one. The second reason I didn't get it is I used, to be in the, uh, I used to be a nurse, and I didn't want that on my medical chart. I didn't want mental health issues written on my medical chart to forever stay there. I'm married to a budget guy. I didn't want the higher insurance deductibles either. Another reason I didn't get help soon enough was because I didn't want to admit failure. I didn't want to admit that I was too weak to put my world back together. I spent my entire life trying to be a strong woman, and I did not want to admit that I couldn't put it back together. It completely unraveled on the inside. But see, what I didn't know 
that my counselor helped me understand. She told me this one day, you have to get help, Holly, because the more anxiety you have, the more anxiety you're going to have. Let me see if I can explain this to you guys. Have you, have you, ever, have you ever been through a traumatic experience? It doesn't have to be traumatic to anybody else, but to you, it was traumatic. Maybe, maybe it was the death of a loved one. But maybe it was the death of a job that you loved or of a marriage or a relationship. Maybe a dream that you forever had in your heart. You went through this traumatic experience. And all in all, you give yourself solid B plus in the way you handled it. You stayed cool. You stayed calm. Felt like you did a pretty good job. Dang, I'm strong. I got this. Have you ever done that? And then two weeks later, maybe two months later, three months later, your spouse makes a flippant comment. They meant nothing by it. Maybe just to get under your skin a little. But other than that, they meant nothing by it. And it tips you right over the edge. Have you ever been there? Have you ever listened to that comment and then in a matter of moments, you've decided that your spouse has been waiting a decade to tell you that? In fact, not only has he been waiting a decade to tell me that, he's waiting to leave me. He's actually just waiting for my kids to grow up and then he's going to leave me. You know what? Maybe he's not. Maybe he's leaving right now. I should go and see if he packed his bag. You know what? I'm going to pack his bags for him because I got too much self-respect to let you stay in this house one more night. Have you ever done that? Just tipped right over the logical edge. I mean, I totally Googled that for illustration purposes today. I have no idea where an example like that would come from. But you just tipped. You lost it. You went right over the logical edge. We'll see what is happening in that moment. See, we have these two neurotransmitters in our brain. They're called GABA and serotonin. And what happens is when you go through traumatic experiences, those transmitters will help you stay calm and under control. They will help you. But when you go through trauma, you will deplete all your back-end reserves of that. I like to think about it like I do brakes on a car. Have you ever gotten so close to crashing into someone? I mean, you slammed on your brakes. You get it across the road. Maybe you ended up in the grass, but guess what? You didn't crash. You made it. You made it. And then maybe two weeks later, you're pulling onto your college campus, just a normal, normal day, pulling into your college campus, take a nice, slow, steady right-hand turn, and your brakes squeal so loud that you really just want to duck and hide in the floorboard. You're so embarrassed. Have you ever done that? Well, pulling onto your college campus didn't ruin your brakes. You shot your brakes two weeks ago, avoiding that car crash. And the same thing happens to us when we go through trauma. We deplete all of our reserves. And now a flippant comment from a spouse or a text that is too straightforward from a boss, things that barely ruffled our feathers before, now tip us right over the edge. And this is why getting professional help is important. Because a counselor or a doctor can help you identify things. They can help you build those reserves back up, which can take years, mind you. They can help you find what medications and what therapies you need for your situation. And I just want 
to be honest, that many of us here are praying, praying to God, asking him for a miracle when it comes to anxiety and it comes to the fears that we're facing. And I just want to challenge you to ask yourself, maybe God is providing that miracle in the avenue of a physician or a counselor. Maybe God has already gifted and equipped them with the experiences they need to help me and bring about the miracle that I'm praying for. Get professional help. Number two, the second thing that we can do when our anxiety is high is to find one friend, just one friend. You don't need a bunch, just one. You will not beat anxiety in isolation. Because quite frankly, when we are anxious or we're in a panic attack, our minds are sick. And you cannot beat a sick mind with a sick mind. You've got to have a friend that you can raise your hand to, that you can share your fears with, that can sit with you during a panic attack, that can pray over you when you're too weak to pray for yourself. Besides my husband, I really only have one close friend that I can take my most anxious thoughts to. And she's amazing. I like to play this game with her that I call real or not real. I got it from the Hunger Games. How many of you have seen the Hunger Games? Okay, great. You're my kind of people. Okay, so do you remember in the Hunger Games when Peter and Katniss had already left the arena and he says to Katniss, you're still trying to protect me, real or not real? Do you guys remember in one of the last scenes of the entire series, he says to her again, you love me, real or not real? And see, this is what my friend does for me. She helps me discern what is logical and not logical without saying that. <laughs> Recently, I had, a, I had someone from my past who had hurt me pretty deeply. He reached out to my husband. My husband was telling me about it, and immediately I could just feel this, this sickening feeling coming over my stomach. I felt doom, maybe it is, that just starts creeping up on me. My mouth went dry, and I had two choices in that moment. I could jump on that train, right, of worst case scenario, that train track, and play out worst case scenario and ride that right into a panic attack. It takes about 30 minutes. Or I could pick up the phone and I could call my friend. And that's what I did because I've ridden that train track so many times. I know exactly where that takes me. And I know that it takes days, weeks to get over that. And so instead, I picked up the phone and I immediately called my girlfriend and I said, listen, here's what was said, here's who said it, and here's what my mind is now telling me. Is this real or not real? We all need a friend like that. We need a friend that can just reach down and pick us up and just pull us above all that chaos that is swarming in our head in moments of high anxiety. If you don't have a friend like this, I encourage you, get plugged in at a local church. If it's embraced, great. But if it's not embraced, just get plugged in. I mean, just start showing up. Show up at events, join a group, serve. It doesn't matter. Just start being there and let them help you find a friend like this. You will not beat anxiety in isolation. The third tool that we can use to overcome anxiety is to marinate in worship. 
And I don't know if this is true for you guys, but this is true for when anxiety attacks me. I have my own personal definition of my anxiety attacks, but anxiety attacks me when something happens in my life that reminds me that I'm not in control, but I don't trust the one who is. My faith has just gotten so weak that all of a sudden I begin to feel like God is against me, that he's going to make me pay, and that the the situation in front of me that is spinning out of my control is the exact way that he's going to execute his revenge on me. That's where I go. It's not logical. I know it's not logical. It's a lie. But it's where I go, and that's when anxiety begins to overwhelm me. Here's the truth. The answer is not to simply will ourselves to trust Jesus more. That's why as a spouse or a family member of someone who's struggling with anxiety, it's never helpful. When you say, knock it off, you know better, you just need to pray more, you just need to trust God more, that's not helpful. And in fact, that exacerbates the problem. You cannot simply will yourself to trust more. But you do have a play in this. What we can all do is we can lean in to getting to know Jesus more. We can lean into him. We can get to know him more. Trusting the one who is in control is simply a byproduct of getting to know him more. And that's why I love to say marinate in worship because worship allows you to get to know Jesus' character in an avenue that an anxious mind can receive. See, if I'm being honest, when my anxiety is high, I can't, I can't handle, I can't even handle preaching. That's a big predicament with my calling in life. <laughs> but that's the truth, I can't handle it. But in my mind, no matter how anxious it has been, can always handle worship. And I think that's because worship is like Jesus just reaching down. And he pulls us up and he just sets us on his lap. And he says, come here. Come get to know me again. Come on. Get to know me. And I'm learning that when I'm on Jesus' lap, from that vantage point, the world doesn't look quite so scary. I'm also learning that you never put somebody on your lap that you're not going to be tender with, that you're not going to gently love. And see, that's what worship does. It allows an anxious mind to get reacquainted with our Savior. It allows us to realize that God is working in ways that we cannot see, that he is for us, and that if we have made a mistake, he will lovingly cover those mistakes and he will correct our path. And when we get to know the goodness of God again, our anxious minds begin to calm down. It will soothe our souls. We've got to marinate in worship. And the final thing that we can do to help us overcome anxiety is to fight back. And this is hard, I know, because when you are panicked, you really feel paralyzed. So I'm going to share with you a couple tools that aren't going to expend a ton of energy that you can do even in a state of extremely high anxiety or panic. But first, I want to speak to some of us here today. 
that maybe you're here, maybe you have anxiety, and maybe that anxiety is being caused by a secret that you're hiding. Maybe there's something that you're hiding, not from everybody, maybe just from your spouse or from your job or from your friends. I have no judgment, but I do want to lovingly tell you that if you are a follower of Jesus, there's a reason that's causing anxiety because you are filled with the light of Jesus. There's no going back on that. That was a one-time deal. You have been there. You followed Jesus. You are filled with his light. And here's the problem. When we're hiding a dark secret, we're trying to force darkness and light to live together. And they don't live together in the same soul. It is completely incompatible and it is a cesspool for breeding shame and anxiety. It never works. We have to choose. Guys, we cannot keep both sin and peace at the same time. They don't go together. You only get one or the other. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you. Maybe fighting back for you is just taking the risk. Just take the risk and share with, with a loved one or share with a counselor what you're struggling with behind closed doors. And you say, Holly, I'm here, but I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to share. I actually like it. I know it's causing me anxiety, but I'm still enjoying this, whatever it is or whatever you're hiding. Okay. Can I just encourage you to just share that with God then? Just tell him, God, I know you already know this, but I have this secret, and I'm just not ready to give it up. Would you just help me? Would you help me? That may be the best way for you to fight back today. That's not you. No matter where your anxiety or, or, or fearful feeling, uh, feel, fears may come from, one way that we can all fight back is to simply use our weapon. Do you guys remember that picture that I showed you a few minutes ago of that soldier? There it is. Think about this. That soldier... He can survive this battle, right? I mean, all he's got to do is stay hidden in that trench and stay away from the enemy's shots at him. And guess what? That battle could go on for two weeks and go on for two months, two years. And as long as he does that, he is not going to die. Correct? He's not going to die. But unless he picks up a weapon and fires back at the enemy, unless he gets out there and shoots at the enemy, he is never going to win the battle. And we have to ask ourselves, as Christ followers, as, as Jesus followers, is it really all about just not dying? Is that really our purpose in life, is to simply survive, to simply not die? Is that what we're here for? Heck no! The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The answer, the, 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 the purpose is not to just not die. The purpose is to win and win big. The purpose is anything that the enemy is firing at us. We are to overcome that. But we are never going to win if we don't pick up our weapon and fire back. 
Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Guys, we have a weapon, and it is the Bible. It is our weapon against this stuff. Here's the deal. I sat for far too long, laying on a bed, panicked and overcome with anxiety while my weapon, while my Bible sat on my nightstand completely unopened. And let me tell you, it doesn't work that way. You will never beat anxiety that way. Best case scenario, you will survive one panic attack until the next panic attack. That's the best case scenario. You'll feel like this soldier and just help me to survive. And that's never what God envisioned for us. And the best way that you can do that in moments of high anxiety is to know what the Bible says about your fears and speak those, that, that truth out loud over your fears. And I'm not being legalistic, but you need to speak the truth out loud. You need to say, you need to let your mind hear your voice speak. Here's why. When you're anxious, there are hundreds of thoughts swarming in your head. Everything becomes chaotic. There's, more, there's so many thoughts coming in. You're trying to spit them out, and they're coming in twice as fast as you can spit them out. Listen to me. If you simply read the Bible in a state like that, it's going to just jumble up in there with all, all the rest of that. But no matter how anxious you are, no matter how many thoughts are swarming in your head, you can only say one thing at a time. You can only speak one thing at a time. You cannot speak both fear and faith at the same time. You cannot speak both truth and lie at the same time. So you've got to speak out loud and let your anxious mind hear your voice speak truth. If all of a sudden you feel like God is against you or you've made a big mistake, you need to remind yourself, I am a child of God. He, is, he loves me. He has chosen me. He is for me. He has forgiven me. He says, if I am faithful and just to, for, uh, to uh, <laughs> ask for forgiveness for my sins, then he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He is for me. He is my vindicator. He will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Let your anxious mind hear your voice speak truth. Maybe you're here today as we close and you're saying, Holly, I, I feel just like that soldier. I'm just surviving this. I haven't beat it. I'm still in the middle of it. Can I tell you that the battle on anxiety can take time? It's going to feel like two steps forward, one step back for a while. I still have tough days, but I'm not merely surviving this. I've got tools to fight back with now, and you do too, and we can fight this. And I just want to speak over you guys. It's the Holly Brown anxiety version of Romans 8, 38, and 39. I said this to myself for two years. It says that, for I am convinced that no amount of anxiety that attacks you, no amount of fear that overwhelms you, no amount of panic that paralyzes you, there's no past mistake that you have made, there's no dark secret that you're hiding, there's no fear of people, there's no fear of money, there's no fear of the future, there's no fear of health that can ever, ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hear me. On your worst days and on your best days, God is for you. He is for you. You stick with him. 
and you put some of these tools in place and let's overcome this. Let's win this war on anxiety, not just for us, but for a culture that needs Christ, that needs Christ, that needs Jesus' followers to be filled with, with the Holy Spirit and filled with their dreams and chasing those dreams and chasing their, their, their callings. We need a culture of Christ followers that have found victory and can go reach people who yet don't know Jesus. And we got to win this war so that our children don't face this. Right now, they're projected to be even worse than we are. We got to stop this. We got to stop this. Lean into Jesus. You stick with him. And we're going to win this together. Can I just pray over you guys as we close? Jesus, you know every single fear that came in with your people today. You know every anxious thought. You know every struggle that everyone in here is facing. And God, I just pray, whether they're sitting in this room, they're online, they're at one of our campuses, that you will speak peace over their anxious souls, that you will calm their minds. You're the author of peace. Speak your peace. We need you, Jesus. Heal us and use us to help others. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.